A River to Cross, A Story of Life, Chapter 56. Quote, the Cattle on a Thousand Hills, end quote. Quote, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death, end quote. Proverbs 14, verse 12. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Almost everything in the garden was for Adam and Eve to eat, but they lusted for and chose the one thing God said no about. They had it all, but they wanted one thing more. The rest is, as they say, history. But what I have discovered very painfully for my ego is that it is my history too. I always thought of myself as a person who, at my core, respected and honored God and people. But what I have discovered is I have spent many years not honoring God and not honoring others in various capacities. The depths of my sinfulness I do not yet know because God alone can see me fully as I am. Yet to the extent I have seen myself in this process, I have laid it out as candidly as I know how. The picture is not flattering, and it is very discomforting, yet necessary to be painted. When I was doing the rewrite of this book, parenthesis, in early 2017, it suddenly hit me. I have lived my life as a selfish, self-centered, prideful, arrogant person who thought the cattle on a thousand hills and the fruit tree in the middle of the garden were mine to eat as and when I wanted. In the words of a once famous sports star, God wants Hollis to be happy so I can do what I want and as I want. In the recovery world, this is called egomaniac with an inferiority complex, and there is a specific set of personality flaws that diagnose this malady. Honestly, while I do not meet the classic definition Parenthesis, self-diagnosis of being free of this disease probably confirms the malady. I think I am there. Let me explain. When I was only two, I saw what was out in front of me as mine to take without restraint. Leaving home and going to the barber shop, 
eating glue, eating pesticides, eating nuts, bolts, and washers. They belonged to Mr. Hoover, who was repairing my mother's stove, stopping trains, taking guns that were not mine, not having any respect for the safety of others, and taking into consideration a thousand and one other areas of concern that all point to one thing. I had the ego to believe that if it was there, it was there for me, like Adam and Eve, coupled with the inferiority complex that said, you need this so that you can be like other people. I am writing this in 2017, and I am recognizing what at least some people must have known about me all my life. I had no respect for boundaries or authority if it was in my way. I can think of many instances where I just assumed if it was there, it was okay for me to enjoy it. Why would God want to deny me any of these things? He wants me to be happy, right? Wrong. This is where it all breaks down. God does not desire my happiness, but he does require my honor, respect, and obedience to him. I was following in the path of my great-great-great-great-grandfather, Adam, who saw what he wanted and went for it, never mind what God had said. In the spring of 1966, God said to me, I so loved you that I sent my son to die in your place, and by my grace through faith, a gift from me, I have saved you at this altar, and now the rest of your life will be mine to direct. I said, Yes, Lord, I'm so pleased to serve you. And that is what I initially thought. Then when that didn't suit my plans, I had always told my daddy I would be a lawyer like him. I just did it my way. I did it my way may make a great hit in the music world, but in God's economy, it's a total disaster. That was 1966, and 50 years later, God finally got my attention. At 64, I'm just starting to awaken to these principles. Today, January 30th, 2017, I went for a short walk in the woods and was listening to God speak. He showed me the fallacy of seeking to have and live life on my terms rather than on his terms. I reflect back to my father's International Jeep Scout. I think it was a 1959 model that he bought from his friend Harris Jones. I think I was about 10 or 11 when I asked to sit in it and then to crank it and then to back it up in the driveway and then to go around the block and then it was mine. I honestly don't ever recall him riding in it again. I was a freshman in college, and I took a group of college buddies to my daddy's new pier and boathouse in Louisiana. Of course, like the Jeep, like the pistol, like the twenty-two rifle, like everything else in my life, I didn't bother to ask my father. It didn't occur to me to address the concern that he had spent hard-earned money to put it there and that it was not mine. I just was interested in going and showing my friends what I had, even though what I had was absolutely nothing. Of course, when we arrived and it was locked, rather than say we would come back, I just broke the lock off. A little while later, my father showed up unexpectedly. It was unexpected to me, but not to him. It was his place, and he was taking off to go enjoy the fruits of his labor. Instead, he had to deal with the disrespectful egomaniac son who had destroyed his property in order to serve his own wishes. 
When I look back across the years, it was not just my father's Jeep or his lake house, but everything he gave me, I took as mine to use as I determined. He and my dear friend, almost a second father, Jimmy Torrey, treated me better than I deserved, but I always pushed the envelope to the outer limit. I elected to do things on family property without consulting anyone. It wasn't that the things were wrong. It's just that I assumed if I thought it should be done, then it should be done without ever seeking a consensus. In the same way that I abused my relationship with my heavenly father and my earthly father and mother, so I did with my sisters and my brother and my cousins. Essentially, I never gave it much thought. It's there. I want it. Why would anyone deny me the right to be happy, to have things my way? In addition to all the other problems that are obvious with such an attitude, there is no happiness there. Parents give us boundaries to preserve and promote a good life for their children. God did not set the boundaries for Adam and Eve or me to deny happiness, but to ensure happiness. No one is more interested in or capable of providing for me than he who created me, but I effectively blocked the pipeline of his provision when I failed to honor him for who he is. This is true with many earthly authorities as well. God provided everything to Adam and Eve. They wanted for nothing, and they had God to converse with on a daily basis. Not to deny them, but for their own best interest, God said not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, that is the very tree of which they ate, and when it came time to answer for it, they blamed the snake, each other, and God. In like fashion, if denied any pleasure, taking my friends to enjoy my father's boat, taking his Jeep, taking his gun, I reacted wrongly and resented the limitations, even though the limitations were there for my own good, just as they were for Adam and Eve. My father and his family gave me the land I lived on and later lost due to my own foolishness and refuse, refusal to understand the purpose of the gift in the first place, because that stood in the way of what I wanted. My father pleaded with me not to go into the restaurant business, but I ignored his pleas and those of other family members. I not only ignored them, I thought their attitude was disrespectful and out of place. After all, it was my property, right? Wrong. We are the owners of nothing. We only act as temporary stewards of the things we hold. Just for a brief season, we hold them under direction from above. All that we have is a gift from God, and it is to be used to honor Him. This picture reoccurs and reappears throughout my life, at least up to and through August 7, 2008. In some measure, the overall attitude continued because the lesson of honoring God and others is an ongoing process in my life. Yes, God has done some amazing transformative work in my life. I am astonished at the God-sized things He has done. Yet the deep personality flaws still remain. They are many, and they are at the foundation of my failures. What in the world should I do? I am not the first or only one to suffer from this malady. The question has been posed before. Look with me at what Apostle Paul said in his letter to the church at Rome. 
For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. My daddy was right. I was too big for my britches. I was so selfish that even though I knew my heavenly father owned the cattle on a thousand hills, I thought he wouldn't mind if I used them my way instead of the way he had laid out for me. For about 60 years, this is the way I have lived my life. Slowly, finally, the light is coming on, and I'm starting to see things the way God intended for them to be. Finally, on December 17, 2016, after 50 years of not being willing to listen, I have finally heard God and said, Yes, Lord, yes to your will and to your way. Now that my hearing is getting really poor, I'm starting to listen much better. To God and to all who have been harmed by the floodwaters of the life of an egomaniac with an inferiority complex, I apologize. I'm sorry for my selfishness. This sounds trite, but the truth is I feel the burden at a deeper level than I can possibly describe. So all I can say is I am truly sorry and I regret the harm caused by the floodwaters of my life. If there is any joy here, by God's grace, I have crossed the river. I have a long, long way to go, but God is so patient and so loving and so gracious. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars and Jupiter and Mars, but he is still working on me. Lord, you establish the boundaries in the garden and in my life. They are there for your glory and my own good. It is I and only I that have sinned and done that which is evil in your sight. Lord, have mercy on me a sinner.